You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at Jet Road Games in L.A. and Anaheim, plus the fallout from the Chicago Blackhawks' sexual assault cover-up ahead of Kevin Shoveldayoff's meeting with Gary Bettman. Welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Before we get to the action on the ice, we have to start this episode with the biggest story in sports right now, and that's the fallout from the release of the report that detailed the Chicago Blackhawks' cover-up of a sexual assault towards John Doe, who we now know as Kyle Beach. We've seen several people on the executive side in Chicago lose their jobs this week, and just hours before recording this, Joel Quenville resigned as head coach of the Florida Panthers. Kevin Shevoldayoff had his meeting with Gary Bebbin moved up to Friday, and I think it's easy to see where this is headed after Joel Quenville's meeting with the commissioner on Thursday. Now, I want to start off by saying that Kyle Beach is an absolute hero amidst this entire tragedy, and, and what he did in sharing his story was the ultimate definition of courage, so much more courage than anybody with the Chicago organization at the time showed, and Kyle will no doubt impact so many lives in a positive manner. It was beyond heartbreaking to watch Kyle Beach's interview with TSN's Rick Westhead, but if you haven't seen it yet, it's not easy to get through, but it's an important watch, and I think that everybody should go out of their way to make sure they see it. There's two clips that I want to share with you guys that came out on Thursday. Two clips from people in the hockey world that I think were very eloquent and to the point and things that that really needed to be said that that maybe haven't been said by other people, you know, in the hockey world. The first one comes from former NHL coach John Tortorella, who spoke about the Chicago cover up of the sexual assault on ESPN early Thursday. That's what's crazy to me is it's, it's multiple people. This wasn't a one-man decision. It's multiple people. I, I just don't get why one guy couldn't just stand up and say, you know what, no, this is wrong. It, 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 to me, hockey and, and things that go on in the locker room, all the situations you go through, sure, it happens a lot during the year. This is, this is totally different. This is, this is sexual assault, which is far, it casts a shadow over the game of hockey. And that's what that's what kind of is crazy to me that one man couldn't stand up and say, you know what, no way, we have to get this strained out right now. Walk down the hallway and walk him out the door. 
how difficult right away with that how difficult would that have been? right away and 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 push him out the door not one not one person in that meeting stood up for a sexual assault victim every single person in that room prioritized winning over doing the right thing over doing the decent thing there were seven people seven leaders of an organization in that room and not one of them protected a 20-year-old kid. It's just sickening. Craig Button, meanwhile, had this to say when he joined Leafs Lunch Thursday afternoon. Yeah, no question that Kyle Beach, uh, in, in, in conversation with Rick West, that, that, that was really impactful. You know what was not impactful? Uh, was the Chicago Blackhawks' response uh, to the allegations yeah. and to the assault on, uh, and, and that's shameful. And there's no excuse for it. And we're talking about 11 years. And to hear Kyle Beach uh, uh, talk uh, about how he feels that if he would have come forward previously, that he could have saved uh, the 16-year-old uh, player uh, that was sexually assaulted by Bradley Aldrich in, uh, in 2013. You know, think about Kyle Beach feeling guilty about him not being able to help somebody else and you know having to live with this for 11 years in the pain he goes i'll, I'll tell you what you know what, the Chicago blackhawks have a stain on them and specifically the lack of leadership by mcdonald bowman and quenville is reprehensible they should never work in the national hockey league ever again that is my view on it they failed as leaders and when you're in a position of leadership and a position of power and authority you're expected to act, and when you ask people to come to you, they had a they had a they had a policy manual that everybody acknowledged that they read. Well, great, you read it. Your inaction is inexcusable, and that's exactly what it was. Inexcusable. There's no excuse. I don't care what you've done previous, what your accomplishments are. You've lost the privilege as leaders because you're not leaders. Your inaction led to serious consequences and something that Kyle Beach is going to have to live with for the rest of his life. And to hear him talk about how he feels that, I wish I could have come out earlier to, to help other people and to help that young man specifically, that's on the leaders that failed to act. And for that reason, they should never work in the National Hockey League ever again. I 100% agree with every word Craig says here. If the NHL wants to get serious about making change, and avoiding something like this ever happening again, then anybody, anyone that was complicit in the cover-up of a sexual assault has to be banned. A young man had his career ruined and his life forever changed because of the inaction of people in power. People that were supposed to lead and protect Young man in instances like this. I mean, imagine if that was your son, your brother, or your friend in that situation. Any of us would do whatever it took to make sure that the people that were responsible were held accountable for what took place. And I think that we, as the hockey public, need to have that same energy and demand change from the NHL. And demand that things like this never happen ever again. It's a major, major black eye for the sport of hockey and yet another wake-up call in a, let's be honest, a long line of wake-up calls that the culture in this sport needs a massive, massive overhaul. 
I'll be honest, it's not easy to focus or talk about hockey with all of this going on, but we'll try to transition here over to what happened on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets this week. Uh, we'll begin with Thursday night's 3-2 win over the Kings in Los Angeles. And if you missed the game, you might look at the shot clock afterwards, checking out the stat sheet, and see 31 apiece for each side, and think, hey, pretty tight game between both sides. But those numbers really don't tell the whole story, because the Jets, once again, struggled for long periods of time inside their own end, giving up quality chance after quality chance, and and failing to move the puck out of the D zone. I mean, we saw it happen in Anaheim, and and we'll get to the Anaheim game a little bit later on. And to be honest, we've seen this for a number of seasons now with this team. And it's frustrating to watch at times, even when the Jets ultimately get the win. I mean, a lot of it just comes down to the lack of structure this team seemingly has in their own end of the ice. I mean, it was just chaos after chaos each shift that we saw where the Jets were seemingly running around and out of position you know, enabled to deal with, you know, a pretty aggressive Kings forecheck, to be fair. LA was a lot speedier than I remember the the Kings being. And they forechecked the Jets pretty hard, but it, it was just, it seemed too easy, right? The Kings didn't really have to force the Jets into a ton of errors. It was almost like Winnipeg was willing to shoot themselves in the foot a number of times throughout the night. And the problem when your structure isn't sound inside your own end is that all of those problems continue to stem from the team's inability to be in the correct lanes, to be in the correct positions on the ice. Because even when the Jets, you know, were able to finally grab the puck or or stop an LA Kings scoring chance, you know, players were all over the place that the club couldn't break out of their own end cleanly enough, right? Because you're looking for an outlet pass somewhere and the guys aren't where they're supposed to be because there's confusion all over the place inside their own zone. So... It's something that really needs to be shored up and shored up quickly because, let's be honest, the party line for the past couple of seasons has been that, you know what, the team's defensive play has suffered because the talent on the blue line hasn't been good enough. That's not the case anymore, right? With Dylan and Nate Schmidt on board, a third pair of Dylan DeMello and Logan Stanley, you know, it's not the best decor in the league, but it's good enough. And it shouldn't be this hectic inside their own half of the ice. And I think it's more than fair to wonder at this point that it's something that's systemic and not personnel-based if these struggles continue to happen game in and game out this season. Now, the positive part that, that kind of came from the the Jets' struggles inside their own zone was really the biggest bright spot of the game, in my opinion. And that was Eric Comrie was outstanding. One of the biggest question marks heading into training camp and the first start of the season for Eric Comrie, it really went about as good as you could have hoped for. I mean, he was he looked sharp right from the get-go, and I thought he was just steady as all hell throughout the game. It was by far the best Eric Comrie has looked at the NHL level for the Jets or any other team. And the big thing that I noticed more than anything is that I thought Eric Comrie looked big in the net. I haven't noticed that watching him play for the Jets in the past, right? And and I'm not just talking, I mean, look, his size is always going to be a question mark or a criticism of him, right? Because, I mean, goalies these days are all behemoths. They're all six foot three or six foot four. Any six feet or six foot one goalie is going to look tiny in the net compared to those guys. 
But I just thought that in previous appearances for the Jets, that Eric Comrie looked small in the net. And what I mean by that is, and coming from a family of goalies and hearing their crap year after year, what I mean by looking small in the net is that, especially somebody that's undersized, is, you know, posture's a big thing. And when you have your shoulder slouched down and you're staying a little bit closer to the blue paint, that to me is kind of the sign of a goalie that lacks confidence and, and maybe is unsure of himself. And that's what I thought Eric Comrie looked like in his previous stints with the Jets is just that it looked like there was a lot of room behind him for the shooters to shoot. And we saw a lot of pucks go by him because of that. I did not think that was the case at all in this game against the Kings. I thought Eric Comrie was very aggressive. But he wasn't overly aggressive on top of that, too. He didn't, you know, fly out of the blue paint to challenge shooters. Uh, but he just looked really assertive right from the get-go. And sharp, like I said earlier. Like he just, he was just tuned into the game. And, hey, maybe ready to prove the doubters wrong, right? I, I was just really, really impressed with Eric Comrie's play. It's going to take a number of performances like that to, I think, officially silence all the critics and... and you know, erase the questions about the backup goaltending position. You know, it's going to take some some time before we get a firm answer on that. No, no doubt about that. But I'll tell you what: if Eric Comrie plays like that for the rest of the season, the Winnipeg Jets are going to be just fine, and they're not going to have to worry about bringing in somebody outside of the organization to stabilize the goaltending position behind Connor Hellebuck. A really, really, really promising first start from Eric Comrie, and hats off to him. To me, he was the no-doubt-about-it first start of the night for the Jets. Now, despite the subpar performance overall from the team, there were a couple of players in particular that pushed Eric Comrie for honors of top performer of the night. We'll get to those guys and somebody that I thought had a bit of a rough night in just a second here, but we got to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings. Remember, the NFL season is underway once again. Big Thursday nighter. The Packers hang on to beat the Cardinals. If you want to get in on the NFL action, remember that if you bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and they come through, you can win $200 in free bets with DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, remember, huge cash prizes are up for grabs for you all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, Eric Comrie was, you know, may, I, I don't know if you want to say the surprise performer of the night, but certainly going to grab a bunch of the headlines, getting the win in his first start of the season. But the other two that jumped off the page... And I've jumped off the page for a couple of games now, no surprise there, but it was the Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor show once again offensively for Winnipeg in this one against the Kings. Two more goals for Pierre-Luc Dubois, a three-point night for Kyle Connor as he continues to ascend up the scoring ranks in the entire NHL. Never mind goals anymore, 
Kyle Connors throwing in a couple of apples now, and you know he's making a case for never mind All Star status, but superstar status at this point. He's tied with Alex Ovechkin for second in the NHL in scoring right now, just two points back of Connor McDavid. Pierre-Luc Dubois sits in a tie for ninth, actually, right now. Dubois up to nine points in seven games. I tweeted, I believe it was after Dubois' second goal of the night, the ultimate, uh, eventually the game winner for the Jets, that at this point, Connor Dubois ain't getting split up anytime soon. How confident am I in that? Very confident. A little confident. You can't break them up, right? I mean, you... (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at, right? You can't split them up, right? I know Paul Maurice loves to go back to the Shifley, Connor, Wheeler, well, time and time again. But how can you possibly do that at this point with how well Connor and Dubois have been playing off each other as of late, right? They, you know, with Nikolai Ehlers aside against Anaheim, Connor Dubois have been carrying this team pretty much all season long, right? Especially with the production those two have produced beside each other. I, I mean, it's been mesmerizing watching those two play together, right? Like the chemistry, and hey, may, maybe it dwindles later on the season, but the chemistry is apparent to everybody watching right now. They're just playing off each other so well, and even on that final goal for Kyle Connor to use his speed to get into a position to make that pass, and then for Pierre-Luc Dubois to use his size and speed to get into that middle of the ice scoring dangerous area. I mean, that play right there is evidence enough more so than anything else, I think, that those two shouldn't be split up anytime soon. And I think of Gedi Svechnikov, too, the other winger beside them, continues to stake his claim to a top six spot with the Jets right now. I don't know at this point why you would entertain breaking up that trio. And on top of it, I think it really sets up the Jets' core. I mean, we we talked about this in Tuesday's episode, but keeping Dubois, Connor, and Svechnikov together when everyone is healthy sets this entire lineup really in a good spot up front. Because Shifley, Ehlers, Wheeler is a line that has had success before, but I think that you feel pretty confident that Nikolai Ehlers can somewhat do the heavy lifting on that line, can help carry... Blake Wheeler a little bit, and Mark Shifley too, to an extent. I think that top line has a ton of potential. And then you have a supercharged third line of Lowry, Connor, sorry, Lowry, Stasny, and Andrew Kopp together. And Andrew Kopp has had, you know, maybe the most underrated start to the season of any Jets so far. He's been absolutely fantastic, right? But you have a third line of those three, followed up by a fourth line of, I assume, Riley Nash, Christian Veselainen, and Jansen Harkins. And Christian Veselainen has been getting better and better each game by my eye. And I thought he had another pretty strong performance against the Kings. I mean, that's a really, really good forward lineup if you can continue to extract the offense we're seeing out of Dubois, Connor, and Sveshnikov. So, I, I, hey, I think everyone's in agreement here. That's the way to go. We'll see if Paul Maurice ultimately agrees with all of us and, and continues to go with this sort of a lineup here. It's going to cost the Jets a lot of money, let's be honest. I mean, if, if PLD continues this, yeah, he's going to cash it in a big way. But I, I don't think the Jets, and I don't think Jets fans, mind all that much him cashing in a big check this offseason if he continues to give Winnipeg, you know, a point per game down the middle. I mean, it might be interesting if this continues, you know, 20 or 30 games from now, which line is 1A and, and which line is 1B. But again, that's a, a pretty damn good problem to have. But just... 
man, how can you not be jacked up from the play of both Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois so far early this season? And Kyle Connor is someone we're going to have to keep an eye on here. Just, you know, how high this offensive production is going to continue to go here. But to be two points back of Connor McDavid, yeah, that's, that's pretty damn impressive company. And I think you can excuse some of the defensive woes if you're going to be on a 100-plus point pace for the rest of the season. So, a great, great start for the Jets and, and really some impressive performances during this four-game win streak. You know, we should touch on before we go that, that Ducks game Tuesday night. I mean, what a finish that one was. And, you know, a lot of similarities, honestly, from the Ducks game to the Kings game because, again, the Winnipeg Jets were not good defensively in that one either. I mean, this one was a little different because the shot clock, I think, accurately told the way the game was played. Anaheim really run it up on the Jets in that regard. But there's a reason that teams don't win hardware, don't finish in playoff spots, because they don't have superstar players on their roster. And the Winnipeg Jets got a couple of superstar performances in that one from Connor Hellebuck and then Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, Connor Hellebuck played like a Vesna goalie. I mean, he outdueled John Gibson in that one, no doubt about it. Kind of maybe getting some revenge for that Game 1 performance when John Gibson goalied the Winnipeg Jets in a win for Anaheim. So Connor Hellebuck was outstanding. And again, I don't think his numbers really illustrate just how well he's played for the Jets so far this season. So great performance in net. And then Nikolai Ehlers finally, finally gets on the score sheet Gets off the schneid in the goal column with an absolute beauty to tie it up. And then, I mean, who who expected the game winner to come 20 seconds later? It's funny because, you know, game one against the Ducks, Anaheim really got outplayed by Winnipeg, but they're able to skate away with the win. Then the Jets kind of do the same to Anaheim in this one, so maybe a bit of karmic retribution there. But then also, you had the crazy finish in Minnesota, Again, maybe some karmic retribution with a crazy finish for the Jets on their own in this one against the Ducks. But Nikolai Ehlers really, all game long, put the team on his back. And in that specific 20-second instance, really put the team on his back with a couple of great plays. I mean, that shot on the game-tying goal. I always kind of laugh when people get on goalies for giving up shots like that from tight angles. But watch the replay, and what the hell is John Gibson supposed to do there other than what he did? There was probably a hole about the size of a puck that he left for Nikolai Ehlers to shoot at. Probably didn't think he was going to take that shot. And, and Nick Ehlers just made a superstar play there, right? It, it's a shot that a handful of guys in the world can make. I, I think if anybody's blaming John Gibson on that one, you're totally out to lunch. And then Nick Ehlers, again, some good fortune on the game-winning goal there. But doing everything right in the lead-up to that, finding himself in a dangerous scoring area with the puck on his stick. And throwing one towards the net. And I'll tell you what, if anybody deserved a bounce with the way their first four or five games of the season went, it was certainly Nikolai Ehlers, who was more than due for a goal. And he got a couple there. A huge, huge win for the Jets when they didn't deserve it. But look at him now. Three straight losses to start the season. Now four straight wins. And an answer to that. And they've got themselves set up pretty nicely here. You're kind of playing with house money in this game against San Jose. It sure would be nice to grab three straight wins on this road trip. But even if you lose this one, you know, the Jets have put themselves in a pretty good spot in the Central Division, right? And then you have a few more games at home upcoming, a big set against a few divisional teams. But with a lot of the Central struggling right now, Dallas, Nashville, Colorado, 
all those teams under 500 and Minnesota falling back to earth a little bit here, all of a sudden Winnipeg finds themselves in third and you know, not that not too far out of tops in the division either. So a big one against the Sharks, but again, one that isn't a major, major must win after the club reeled off four straight wins after their ugh, almost sound the alarm bells 0-3 start to the season. But that'll do it for us for the episode, and that does it for the week as well. So hope you guys enjoy the weekend upcoming here. We're back at it on Tuesday. We'll get into that Sharks game, the finale of the three-game road trip that's coming on Saturday night. We'll break that one down. And, of course, we'll break down whatever happens after Kevin Chevaldeoff meets with Gary Bedman on Friday afternoon in regards to the cover-up of the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. So we'll break down all the big news that's going to be coming out of that and then some stuff that happens on the ice as well. But again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Again, enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll talk soon.